keys to the kingdom, um, principles, keys that has the ability to unlock things in your life for, that God wants you to have and certain things that God wants you to lock up to keep you from going there. That's what locks are. So he said, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom, the principles. And these keys are designed sometimes that one of the greatest lock that God can put on us is our mouths. And some of us carry around chainsaws and blow torches, but locks are made for sometimes for us not to say things we know we shouldn't say. Thank you for that arousing applause. Amen. <laughs> so last week we learned a great key about putting God first. It kind of makes you uncomfortable when I talk about that, but it shouldn't because if you're putting God first, it should be great news to you to hear. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 44, it's going to start kind of weird and in the middle will be weird and the end will be weird. But besides that, it'll be a really pretty good sermon. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 44, what's what Jesus says. This is the message Bible. When a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis. For some unexpecting soul, it can be devil. And when it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old haunt and I'll return if he finds the person spotless and clean, but vacant. If you're visiting here this morning, thank you for coming. But I'm in no way to make you comfortable. I want to stir up every demon you got. Ooh. The Bible says, or Jesus said, that when an evil spirit leaves a person, now, someone said, well, that's impossible. A Christian can't have an evil spirit. You have no idea what you just said. You have a demon because you just lied. <clears throat> can, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? It's, it's your definition of possession, ownership or influence. Because the content of the liquor bottle can influence the content of a sinner or a Christian. And just because you're a Christian and there's a fifth of Jack Daniels or Strawberry Hill or, or whatever some of you all drink, and I know you don't do that, most of you, some of you, but no matter if you're a saint or a sinner, if you turn it up, it's going to influence you. If you're born again of God, you cannot be owned by the devil, ownership. But you can be influenced, and some of you are, and some of us are on a regular basis. We can be influenced. So Jesus says that if a man has this evil spirit, and that evil spirit is removed or expelled, that evil spirit leaves for some unsuspecting soul, but if he can't find it, and that unsuspecting soul means someone that has guard over their lives, I'm, I know what's going on here. I'm, I'm not going to let that junk come into my life. Yeah. So that demon has to go on. And he says, I know, I'll go back to my old haunt. Some of you, for that demon, you was a fun haunt. Who said amen? Yes, there we go. Woohoo! And when he finds the old haunt, he finds it clean, but empty. It's possible for we to become born again by the blood of Christ, and his blood washes us clean, but here's the problem it's empty. 
And I know some of you that are old Pentecostal holiness and four square and all that stuff, they said that it's not possible for him to come back into your life. Once again, I'll have that conversation with you anytime and anywhere because it happens all the time in churches, behind pulpits. The piano player runs off with the preacher all the time. And the preacher's wife runs, goes home with the piano player. That's going to happen today. <laughs> and for you that are listening, I am the piano player. So listen. <laughs> so I had a few demons run around in my life, and I still have to deal with them. Really. I'm still just like you. And um, a long time ago when I gave my heart to God, it reminded me of King Solomon when he was 20 years old that he went as a boy with his father David to Gibeon's call. And the Lord spoke to Solomon at 20 years old, and he wasn't a king yet, but his father was king. And he said, Solomon, if I could give you anything in the world, what do you want? And that was shocking to hear because his father had everything in the world when you're king. And Solomon says this to God and God alone. It's found in 1 Kings 3 and 9. We're going to read this because some of you hadn't read your Bible this week. Solomon said, God, here's what I want. Nobody's listening. It's just him and God. God, here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well. Discerning the difference between good and evil for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? Leave that up there. He said, I've watched my dad. I've watched them murder my dad. I've watched my dad pull his hair out. And God, more than anything, if I'm in line to my father, it's more than gold and wealth and riches. I would love to have a God-listening heart for this reason. I want to teach them of your goodness. A long time ago, when I first got in church and, and I felt the call of God in my life, I had demons going everywhere, going in and coming out and going. But I told God a long time ago, all I want for you is I want a heart that knows how to hear you. That I may teach people your ways. That's all I want. I don't want my name on the building and it's not on the building. I don't need my name on the sign. It's not on the sign. I don't need my picture on a billboard. I got a face for radio. I don't need any of that. All I want is for those that you have given to me will come to me and that I will teach them your ways. And that's what Solomon said. So listen to God's response, verse 10. So God the master was delighted in Solomon's response. And God said, because that you've asked for this and you haven't grasped for a long life or riches or doomed to your enemies, wow, but you've asked for the ability to lead and govern well. I'll give you what you asked for and I'm giving you wise and mature heart with it. And there's never been one like you before and there'll never be one like you after. And as a bonus, aren't you glad for the bonuses of God? I'm giving you both wealth and glory that you didn't even ask for. But there's not a king anywhere who will be able to come up your mark. My whole desire that when I began a long time ago, and if you'll only stay on course and keeping your eye on the life map of the God's signs your father David did, I'll also give you a long life as well. And he did. My intentions here every Sunday morning is to have a God-listening heart throughout the week and get up here on Sunday mornings and hopefully explain to you and break open to you the value of what a God 
characteristics are that can be to your life. And that's all I want to do. So it's very important that when I got saved, and I did get saved, but it's very important that I found out pretty quickly I had to fill it with some pretty good stuff. Because I will tell you that just because you get born again, it doesn't mean that every roach is going to be removed in your life. Demons are not going to be so excited to leave your home. You're a good haunt. You are, you are the life of everybody's party. You are the biggest, juiciest gossiper in the women's restroom at church. You was a good haunt. And so your enemy loves that. And he knows that. So what happens is it's very important for we as believers. Watch this. It's not enough to be born again. That's enough to go to heaven. It's, but it's not enough while we're here just to be born again. You need to fill it with good things. That there's no room. Hey, listen. I'm, here, here's, here's a spoiler alert. Anybody ever been on a diet? A good one? A diet? A good one? Don't ever go to the store at nine o'clock at night when you're hungry. If you're on a diet, donuts have demons. I did that one time. Oh, I tried to lose some weight years ago. And I said, oh, I can, I can lose this in case we're going to go to the store and get yogurt and we're going to get some celery. And I said, I'm with you. And then I heard the chocolate donuts in the back calling my name. You'd be surprised spirits that'll call you when there's no room in your life to receive these things, they'll leave you alone. But just because you're born again, good for you. We're on our way to heaven. Hallelujah. But as you can look around and see, we're still surrounded by people with spirits and demons and all kinds of stuff. And so what happens is, is that I need to fill it with the right things. So if I will feed my body with good, healthy things, then that way that when I go to the store, I can bypass the donuts and the cupcakes sometimes. You get it. Your responsibility this morning here is to take notes and ingest it because I'll tell you, it's a long, it's a long time between next Sunday. And I want you to fill it with good things. So this key this morning is filling your heart or having a heart filled with being thankful. Having your heart being filled with being thankful. And that's what Solomon wanted to teach the people of God. He said, how can anybody deal with a bunch of rebellious, obnoxious, religious people? He said, I can't, but if, if you'll give me the right heart and the wisdom, I'll teach them your ways. And he did. I'm not telling you that you're cantankerous. I'm just saying the person next to you is probably cantankerous. So how can we all get along in unity and harmony? And here's the answer is that we come and we surrender our wishes and our ambitions and, our, and all these things unto a God-centered base. And I told Catherine this morning, I really don't have authority in this church. I am the founder. I'm the owner. My name's on the, on the bottom line. You know this. I'm the pastor, but I really don't have the authority in this church. Only the word of God has the authority in this church. That's it. And it's, we will not operate this church by what I feel or what I think or what I sense. 
It must be within the boundaries of the Word of God. And whether it be me or, 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 or Mark or Danny or anybody else, what happens is, is the Word of God has got to be the thing that must fill this pulpit. And by filling this church with the things of God, you'll find out there's not much room left for this other stuff that will bring rot and decay in your life. Okay? So, we're going to talk about keeping our heart filled with just being thankful. Very important. I wrote this. This is Ephesians. I didn't write this. Ephesians 1 and 6, it says this. The King James says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mentions of your, in my prayers. The word thanks is a word called, um, we basically know, it's, it's Eucharist, where we get a word for communion, the Eucharist. You is beautiful or beneficial, and the, and the word is haris, it means thankful or being appreciative. The Apostle Paul said, I'm very thankful for your life because you have been beneficial to me. And he's, and he's speaking to the church body. I wrote this, when was the last time that you were truly thankful or that you were moved with emotions of affection and appreciation for someone that's around you today? Feelings of love that flows freely from your heart towards someone who has been a part of your solution through the years and not a part of your problem. You see, Paul was very quick to show his affection and appreciation to his friends. Ephesians 1 and 6, 16 says, I give thanks for you. Colossians 1 and 3 says that we give thanks to God, praying for you always. Thessalonians 1 and 2, we give thanks to God always for you. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3 says, we are committed or bound to thank God for you at all times. And it goes on and on. The Apostle Paul is telling this church body, I am what I am because of you. Only God can make a, a, a simple, purpose, simple person holy and righteous, but it's because of you and your words and your outpouring you have made my life a better place. I'm a better person because of you. Your words have been beneficial to my life. And the question I want to ask you this morning is this. You don't have to get lost in theology, the study of God, but when was the last time you were really, truly thankful as the Apostle Paul is, is giving you a key here of people in your life that has been a part of your solution and not a part of your problem? I haven't forgot. I haven't forgotten those people that have helped me along the way. And the Apostle Paul, that this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. We are here to give thanks for you. Eucharist, you are a blessing from God. It is your words and your laughter and your love and your handshake and, and your sacrificial giving and your music and your talent. This is a better place because you're here, because I'm here all the time and you're not here. And I'm telling you, it's a better place when you're here. So it's one thing to be born again. It's one thing to have our sins forgiven. And that's a wonderful thing. But not only are we clean, but are you filling it now with things that is beneficial and beautiful? And the answer is you should be. And where do we start? We start with the person sitting beside you. I'm thankful for your life. 
When Danny Sherry came here, they make me laugh. But when Danny Sherry first started coming, he came in here with some outfit dressed up like Roy D. Mercer. And I thought, who in the world are you? It was a Halloween. He made me laugh. I don't know about you, but the evening news really don't make me laugh. And, but the people of God, if we are filled with the things of God, and I am, and if you are filled with the character of God, which you are, and if you're filled with the life of God and the word of God and the commitment of God, wouldn't it just stand reason that you want to be around the people of God? And somebody said, well, I can stay home and fish on a fish bank and, and God's there. Well, he's there. I can pray while I'm fishing. Well, you can, but you don't. But David said, I was so glad when they said it's time to come to the house of the Lord. You know why? Because it is the contents of God that you house today. And I need it. I've done enough with hate this morning. I've done enough with, with bitterness this week. I've had my gullet full of people that want to slash my tires. I enjoy being around people that love God and love the things of God and want to love God and want to honor God and want to worship God. That's the people I want to hang around with. And if you don't want to do that, would you please go ahead and check out now and we'll, we'll do something else without you. How about that? We'll give your money back. I want to be around people that has their heart filled with the things of God. And the way that we do this is one of the first steps is we learn to appreciate the value of one another. It, it makes us laugh. You, you don't know this, but funny things that makes me laugh. When Jeremy was about three, a little toe-headed kid, Sam's Meat Market was over where Ernie's was, and it was Sam West. You know, he was a butcher. Oh, my Lord. He looked like he just come from the vet and got a worm shot. He never was smiled. I went to church with him. And uh, Sam was always just Sam, you know, and he said, what do you need? And, you know, and so uh, Galen and I took him in there one time. And it's crowded. All oh, these people everywhere. It looked like county fair going on. And, uh, and Jeremy was just barely enough. Lynn, he was just barely enough to see over that glass, the butcher's glass. So anytime we go into the store, of course, it, you know, I was in charge of keeping an eye on him. And, and that never happened. But he, he was running around a little toe-headed, and he, and he had his nose right up to this glass case. And there was probably 50 people in this business getting food. And all of a sudden, he goes, Daddy, volume nine. He goes, roaches. <laughs> and he's pointing in this, in this glass case. And immediately, everybody just froze. And Sam froze. And he goes, big cockroaches. <laughs> And, you know, I went to church with Sam all my life, and, and, he, and he goes, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. What am I going to do? I'm going to kill him. And he's pointing at him, and I said, where? And he goes, right there. Well, he's talking about shrimp. Oh. <laughs> it's still funny. It wasn't funny then, but it's funny now. Sam had to go get his pacemaker charged up back then. But, you know, you, you just remember little things and it brings a little laughter to your life. Listen, quit being so serious. Quit being so serious. Life's not that serious. Learn to laugh. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to laugh at your mistakes. You're not master in charge of this universe. You're, you're, you're all right. Just, just enjoy the journey. 
Get in the back seat, roll down the window, do like them dogs do. Stick your head out and let your tongue hang out. Just enjoy the ride. <laughs> Motorcycles and, and, and motorcycle riders and dogs, we understand what that's the meaning of letting your wind hitch and your tongue hang out. We understand. But one of the greatest things that I've learned, and, I, and I'm a good student in God's Word, and I know a few things, but I want you to know this morning that I do value and appreciate the giftings of God in your life. I do. And I'm very thankful for it. And sometimes I don't get around to it, and sometimes that I, I just don't tell you a lot, but, but I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for what you do because I believe that God is in you, and we're all coming together and that we're building his kingdom. I put a matter of fact, in Colossians 4, 10 and 11, you've heard me say this, but listen to what Paul says. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salutes you, and greets you, and Marcus, sister of the son Barnabas, touching whom they receive the commandments, and if you come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called justice, who are, who are the circumcision Jews? These are only my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. The word comfort is a word called paragoria, where we get a word for paragoric. Paragoric is medicine that soothes the body. Of all the people the Apostle Pauls knew, of all the teachers and the preachers and the, everybody that he knew, he said, these three men that you have no idea who these three men are, but Paul knew. You know about Ephesus, you know about Clement, you may know about Barnabas, you know about all these other guys, but these three guys, you have probably never heard of these three guys in your life, and as far as your chronological order of being important in the gospel, on yours, they're not even mentioned. But the Apostle Paul, he said, these three men are the top three men in my life. You don't even know who they are because they have been a paragoric to me. They have comforted my body. They have soothed me when I'm hurting. And when my mind is irritated, they calm me down. I'm telling you right now that there are people that you're associated with that you have no idea. We're all medics in the kingdom of God. And our design is when people get overheated and they're frustrated, our responsibility is to be medicine that will calm them and soothe them and, and give them peace in a very stressful situation. You have friends like that. And I consider you to be part of that. I have people that I call all the time and I don't say, hey, I need you to pray for me. I don't do that. I just want to talk to them. I just want to make them laugh or make me laugh. Laughter is a great medicine. And don't be so serious on this thing, especially I learned through the years being wise, if I am wise, and I'm fairly wise, but don't be so serious about this. Because it's like Moses. Guess what happened? Moses, on the 50th day, when he, when he received the, the Ten Commandments, he come down. And what was the children of Israel doing around Apis the calf? What were they doing? They were worshiping a golden calf. Rule number two. They broke rule number two. Agreed? Yeah. Commandment? No other gods before me? So Moses, in all of his wisdom, guess what he did? He broke ten because they broke one. <laughs> Go figure. And you know what God said? What? He called him a knucklehead, I think. Get back up here. Yeah. You're the adult here. And God had to rewrite him. If, 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 if we make a mistake, if somebody makes a mistake, 
Let's don't break 10 commandments because they broke one. Let's be the responsible with wisdom and maturity and the spirit of forgiveness. And let's help restore these people back in meekness and agreement to the body of Christ. It doesn't mean that we let them continue to go, but let's don't make a big, let's don't drag them to the front and flog them, even though that would be pretty good, but let's don't do that. You've been good medicine to me. Every time I go back and shake hands with Big Les back there, I get a full handshake and a full hug. Trust me. Never let Les hug you on a full stomach. I hate to shake hands with somebody that I don't know if I'm shaking hands or cleaning the fish. I hate that. Don Epler, he may be small inside, but boy, he's got a handshake. I guess what I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul is telling you, he was filled with God. He had the giftings of God. There was none like him under the teaching of Jamal. He, he knew everything about Hebrew covenants. He knew everything about everything. But he said, I want to stop and tell you one of the greatest assets that I do on a regular basis. I always give thanks for you. Because you and your words make my life a better person. Good word. Now, this is my translation of it. Thanking God for you is so easy, and it kind of just flows out of my heart. Every time that I think of you, <clears throat> in fact, that I'm never going to take a break from letting God know just how thankful I am for your life. So the question this morning is that you didn't ask, why so Paul becomes so vocal in thanking God for his fellow Christian friends? So why am I harping about that this morning so much? Because Paul was harping on it, and this is why. Acts 16, verses 6 to 8, second missionary journey. So they went to Phrygia and, and through the region of Galatia. Their plans was turned west to Asia, the province, but the Holy Spirit blocked the road. He said, we wanted to go down through Phrygia, and we wanted to go through Galatia, but the Holy Spirit said no. So they went to Mysia, and they tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go either. And the next verse says, so proceeding on to Mysia, they went down to the seaport of Troas. Troas, in definition of a Greek word, means dead end. It's a dead end to the agency. So the apostle Paul said on our second missionary journey, we, that we, we tried to go in one direction and we were gun-ho and we had Bibles and we wanted to go. And the Holy Spirit says, No. So plan B, we'll go north. Now we'll go west and we'll go through Bithynia and the western part of glaciers and we got Bibles and we got tracts and we'll go spread the gospel everywhere we go. And the Spirit of the Lord said, no. So Paul said, we only have one option. We have to go south. And so they headed south until they ran out of land. They ran out of road. It was a dead end. And unless you're born with flippers and fins, you're out of luck. Often in life that we as Christians that we are filled with, that we do not know what to do, what to say, where to go, or even how to pray because we've run out of road. Everything that it has for progress has stopped and it appears that our, our walk is over. Have you ever... Being going with God 
and you feel like that you just run out of road? You've got the heart of God, you've got the love of God, you've got the zeal of God, but, it, but you find yourself at a dead end. And I want to say something kind of funny. You come, to a, you come from a structured denominational church and, and a very religious structured church and blah, 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 and all of a sudden that you, 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 you run out of gas and you pulled into this parking lot, and even though we wouldn't let you in the door, finally you got in the door, and you go, well, this don't even look like a church that I went to. But you know what? You thought, this must be a dead end church. But you know, you found out this is really the beginning of what it's all about. It's the fullness of the realization of who Jesus really is. And it's not a bad thing sometimes when you find yourself on dead ends. Matter of fact, he says this in Corinthians 1 and 9. He uses the word, what's what? What's what he says about this? He says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised us from the dead. The word sentence is a Greek word called akokrama. And apple means away or out and crime means a verdict. So it was a word that was used in a courtroom. It means a verdict was decreed or a verdict was given out. So the apostle Paul says in this period of time that I run out of road. I couldn't go west. I couldn't go north. I run out of road. And now I'm sitting at the border of the Asian Sea without a boat, without anything, and I have nowhere to go and I'm confused where I should go from here. And he said, at that time, I felt like I received the sentence of death. As a matter of fact, that all the facts were presented, all the testimonies were told, and the evidence were perfectly clear, and the verdict came out, death. Paul felt like he was done. I found out in my Christian journey that it would be easier if God would just tell me where to go, but he doesn't do that. He always lets me go to places where I don't need to go first. And he'll let me go somewhere. And then he'll say, how's that feel? And I'll say, I didn't like it or not. He said, good. I wanted you to feel you don't belong here. It'd be a lot easier if God said, arise and go to the land of, of Oklahoma. And they're on the county of Carter. And, and in Ardmore, you'll find a street called Fourth. And there, you'll head east. And you'll see a brand new parking lot with a yellow stripe that you're going to try to pay for this morning. And there, go into that building. And you know, that's not the way God works. Sometimes he'll just let you go places where he will forbid you to go and you get confused. And then you'll get to a place where you'll say, I don't have any other place to go. I don't know what to do. Have you ever felt like it's over? Have you ever felt like your life doesn't matter? Have you ever felt like you've got too many problems to overcome? Have you ever found yourself on the dead end? And your personal life and your job and your future seems to be over. Well, so did Paul. And he had become mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally fatigued, forgotten, and he felt like a failure. He said, I received the sentence. And the sentence was death. It's over. But he said, one thing that I have going for me, even that when I feel like that I'm done, that God has the power to restore us back to new life. God's not through with you yet. You might have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. And the reason why I know God's not through with you yet, you can put your right hand over the left side of your chest, and if you still feel any pulse, God's not through with you yet. And I'm thankful for you. But what I'm telling you is the fact that sometimes that you just kind of get to the place where you just feel like I don't know what to do and where to go and how to respond. 
but the Holy Spirit is still working in all of us. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. It's a great scripture. We're going to quit. So Paul said, I don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. A brutal attack against him. And it was so bad that we didn't even think that we were going to make it. Keep going. And we felt like that we had been sent to death row and it was all over for us. But as it turned out, it was only the best thing that could have ever happened because instead of trusting in our own strength or our wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. And that's not a bad idea since he's the God who raises from the dead. And he did it. He did it. He rescued us from certain doom and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. But also you and your prayers are a part of the rescue operation. And I don't want you to be in the dark about either. I can see your faces even now lifted up in praise for God's deliverance of us. It was a rescue in which your prayers played such of a crucial part. When will we fully realize that the real value and worth of God-given friends who have kept us from dead ends, that we too will become thankful for those who have, are helping us to succeed. I want to say that this morning to you, thank you for being here today. But I especially want to thank some of you for praying for me through the years. Turn to somebody and say, you're not the easiest guy to get along with. I mean, I don't care. I'm not looking. But thank you. Thank you for every once in a while on the way to work. Praying for my family. Thank you. Because I know some of you are. The Apostle Paul said, I, I thought it was over. I went ahead and signed the, the release form. It's over. It's, I received a sentence of death. We're done. I have nowhere else to go. It's a dead end road. I have no boats. I have no airplanes. We're run out of road and we have no place to go. But how many knows three days later, he got a call from the Macedonia. And the Holy Spirit said, the reason why you're here at a dead end road, because I, I want to use you to somewhere you would never have gone on your own. And it was the Macedonia call. And God said, I'll send a boat to take you to a place you never dreamed you would ever go. I'm telling you this morning that when you feel like that you're at a dead end and you run out of road, you have it. God has something wonderful in store for you. And maybe in the middle of the night somewhere that God by the Holy Spirit will say to you in a Macedonian call, why don't you pick up the phone and call someone? Why don't you write a letter? You haven't thought about that person in a long time, but why don't you send a card and tell someone, 
Hey, I'm sure thankful that you're a part of our church body. I've been praying for you. And the Apostle Paul said that I know that it was God who did it. I know that. Every chimp at Frank Buck Zoo know that it's God that does this. But the Apostle Paul said, but it was you too and your prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Because I go back to my great, great, great grandfather Solomon that said this, who in the world could round up a bunch of feral cats like y'all? It's only God. So our prayers are with you. Herman, I'm thankful for your life. The hurts and the sorrows that you've experienced, but my prayers are with you. Every one of you that have gone through struggles, our prayers have been with you. And I want you to know that. Of all your difficult decisions, I want you to find some type of comfort here this morning. We love you. We're praying for you. And I want your heart to be filled with knowing that people care for you because this is what's happened. When you know that people truly care for you, it will start displacing self-pity. And you'll start displacing that no one cares if you live or die. And we do care for your life. So this week, here's your homework. Quit looking in the mirror and turn to someone that's made a difference in your life. And don't come up and talk to me. I'll, I'll run from you. But, but turn to someone that has been an influence to your life through the years. They've been part of your solution. And say, so, you know what? I just want to let you know I'm thankful for your life. Because of you, I'm a better person. And I'll always pray and give thanks for your life. Can we do that? I am what I am because of you. And if you'll be happy, I'm happy. And if you're unhappy, I'll still be happy. But it doesn't matter. But I'm thankful for your life. And I'm thanking God for your life. And don't you ever forget it. Agreed? Father, this morning, I wonder if we've really taken a self-evaluation, evaluation of really what our friends are worth. The people that are here today and that are part of this local church that may not even be here today, they're not here by accident. You've assigned them to us. You have fitly joined them together with us that we may compliment and that we may have the spirit of, of communion, not only with you, but one another. Thank you for every person in this church that has taken time to pray for not only for me or my family, but pray for the body of Christ everywhere. I felt your prayers. The phone calls and the notes I read between the lines. Thank you. So Father, thank you for moving them by the Holy Spirit. And for everyone that this morning that you feel like that you come to a dead end in your life and you felt like that it's over and you felt like you've made too many mistakes and you felt like that there's too much in front of you to, to go forward. You're not at a dead end. It's really the best thing that ever happened to you because now then it's going to force you to look around and see the blessings of God that awaits you. 
Father, help us to fill our hearts with being thankful for the people of God that are here today. And we celebrate your goodness in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. If you're really thankful for the body of Christ, let's stand this morning and we'll give the Lord a praise offering for one another. Can we do that this morning? Can we also do something? Turn to about three or four people that you don't normally go to before we take communion. And can you really tell them square in the eye, I love you. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate the good words. I appreciate your kindness. I appreciate everything that you're doing to make my life better because you're improving my life. Can we do that real quick for 20 seconds? Go and let's do that. Come on. Don't come up here either. Now, don't you feel better? I said, don't you feel better? This is not the Walmart rolling back prices of value of a people. We're marking you up. You're worth a lot. Some of you got gold in your teeth, silver in your hair, lead in your feet and gas in your stomach. You're worth a lot. Thank you. Communion servers, please come. If you're visiting this morning, we celebrate Holy Communion every week. Every week. You don't have to fill out anything. You don't have to fill out a report card of anything. I'm just giving you an opportunity to remember Christ. It was the last thing he told us to do. The bread and the cup, he said, remember me. One of the great outstanding things that he said, the word Eucharist, where we get a word for communion, giving thanks. Jesus gave thanks. He said, my heart is filled with thanks. Even though in a few short hours, they're going to come and take me away and crucify me and mock me and beat me and put a crown of thorns on my head and pierce my skin with nails and a spear. But I'm so thankful, he said, for this last few moments that I have with you, my friends. Not only do I celebrate Holy Communion because it's a reminder that who Christ is and what he's done for you, but I need you to hear me loud and clear. I can take celebrate Holy Communion by myself, but it's not as more impactful of celebrating communion with my friends. So that night Jesus sat with his disciples and he took the bread and he lifted it up and he said, your fathers did eat the bread in the wilderness that heaven rained down, but they did hunger again. But my father will send me down. I am the bread of life. And if any man eat of me, he'll never hunger again. And they took the bread. And then he took the cup and he said, in the very first Passover, the, the ram's blood was taken and placed in the shape of a cross that the Abaddon, the death angel, would pass over. But Jesus said, my friends, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my Father will take now my blood in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you take this bread and you drink of this cup, Remember me. And he gave thanks.
Father, this morning, I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ that's been applied to my life. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ that identified with my brokenness. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to celebrate Holy Communion, but I'm so thankful this morning to celebrate it with my friends. We've all been broken, we've all been hurt, we've all been wounded, and we all need a Savior, and what a wonderful opportunity that we can celebrate Holy Communion one with another. So bless this cup, bless this bread as we celebrate it one with another in Jesus' name, amen.